On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC, OU legend Mark Clayton joins us for an interview. We talk to Mark about his time at OU and get his thoughts on some of the wide receivers the Sooners have had recently. We talk some OU football by looking at OU's QB situation for the next few years in the National College Football Roundup. We bring you the latest college football news, including Texas Tech getting a big-time transfer QB. We finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, February 25th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC. Metro Ford of OKC's inventory is the best of the best. In fact, they own more Black Widows and more 2021 F-150s than anybody else. They're the only Roush and Rocky Ridge dealer in the state. You can find a ride at Metro Ford of OKC that you can't find anywhere else in Oklahoma. Just like their selection of vehicles is unmatched, so is their customer service. The Metro Ford of OKC Difference Program is included with the purchase of every new and pre-owned vehicle. It includes free oil changes for life, lifetime window tint, lifetime nitrogen fill for your tires, complimentary wheel locks, interior fabric protection, complimentary service loaners, a complimentary shuttle with service, and a complimentary multi-point inspection. Come feel the performance when you test drive a Roush or Raptor and come see why the difference is real at Metro Ford of OKC. Visit MetroFordOfOKC.com for more information or go to the dealership and tell them we sent you. Recording this on Wednesday night. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and let us know who you want us to try to get here. Mark Clayton on this one. Ted, a little, uh, little teammate of yours. Let's go. Can't wait. MC's the best, man. Unbelievable player. Has a great story. We have to dip in to the OU legends a little bit, and we're going to continue to do that during the offseason. We're going to continue, you know, getting guys that are currently playing in the NFL, but uh, I we have had a lot of requests for some of the guys that you played with, so we're going to give the people what they want. Yes. That's how we yes. do it. No, that's good, and he's a good one, man. Had a just a fascinating story uh, from where he came from, where he started, and where he ended up as a first-round pick. Just extraordinary. Okay, let's start with a few OU things. Uh, we'll start here. Theo Howard is transferring. Uh, just a bit of bad luck for him at OU. Uh, was really limited by that Achilles injury that he suffered basically – right after he got to Norman and I think he progressed physically throughout the season, but never quite got to a hundred percent and 
hopefully he's completely healthy now and can land somewhere and be productive. I, I liked him at UCLA. OU's coaching staff liked him a lot, thought that he was going to be able to help them last year, but that injury just really held him back, Ted. Yeah, it did. I also think the the circumstances of the year probably held him back too. It's hard to transfer in and just naturally become a part of an already established team and and fit in and be a part of what's going on and feel like you understand everything. You can't get that on Zoom meetings, man. So I, I think that probably made it incredibly difficult too. And we've heard of a bunch of guys that are, you know, homesick or whatever you want to call it, that it just didn't, it just wasn't right. And I'm not saying that that was the case here, but I do think that the situation of the season, not having a spring, having a weird summer, all of that stuff probably didn't help him out a little bit. And, you know, I also wonder, is there a point that you get at a a position group and like wide receiver to where too many guys is a problem. And like for, for me defensively, it doesn't really matter. Like you've got to be able to communicate and everyone has to understand the checks and you've got to be able to do your job, but it's not really a, uh, a feel or a relationship basis like a quarterback to wide receiver is. Do you think that hurts Oklahoma at all? I, I'm a firm believer that you cannot have too much talent at any position, mm-hmm. right? That That's just kind of how I view it. But I know what you mean, right? I, I know that at some point you want to be able to dwindle it down to who the playmakers are going to be. And let's be real, the, these coaches only get to pin, spend a certain amount of time with these kids you have to pick which ones you're going to put the most energy into. Mm-hmm. I, I know that may sound bad, but it, it's just the way it is. Like you are going to focus on the development of the guys that you think are the most talented that you think can end up helping you win football games. I mean, that's, that's just kind of how it has to be. Right. Yeah. And offensively it it's a little bit different than defense in a sense that Defense, you play a scheme. Now, as players develop, you may do a a few things to highlight a couple of guys' skill sets. But offensively, you build your offense around each player's unique capabilities. And if you've got a a running back that's great between the tackles, well, you're going to run it more between the tackles. If you've got a wide receiver that's great with the ball in his hands in – you know, making people miss, you're going to get him some quick tunnel screens and easy throws. So you tend to build your offense around unique skill sets more uh, offensively. And I feel like if you have so many guys at a position group, you maybe end up being too generalized and don't get a chance to maybe dial in on, on each individual's guy's best assets. Yeah, and that's there's the old saying like think players, not plays. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's kind of what you're hinting at where okay, if you if you're thinking about okay, I gotta get this guy reps, I gotta get that guy reps, you start thinking more, okay, let's just plug in guys to these plays as opposed to right. building your offense around the players. 
in the playmakers. So I, I, I understand what you're saying. That's a, that's an interesting way of looking at it, Ted. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I think he is, like you pointed out, he's a highly capable guy. Yeah. He can and play. I mean, I he think can, I gonna, think he can. Yeah. I think he'll land on his feet and he can be a starting wide receiver in probably most division one programs. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. There was something interesting from Adam Rittenberg. Uh, he power ranked college football teams based on their quarterback play that they'll have for the next three seasons. So we're talking the 2021 season, the 2022 season, and the 2023 season. So at number five, you had Ohio State. Number four, he had Bama. Number three, you had USC. Number two, he had Clemson. And in a shocking development, number one on his list is Oklahoma. You look at it, and we talk about the quarterback play, the level of quarterback play that this program has had over the last several years. It's just, it's absolutely ridiculous, Ted. And now you look at how the future looks just from a talent perspective. Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams, it's it's the best situation in the country. And I, I don't know... Do you think we have are, – are we spoiled when it comes to quarterbacks now? Like, oh, you fans, sure. I think we are. Because yeah, it's just are. like it, this feels normal at this point. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're definitely spoiled when it comes to quarterback. Gabe, there's a solid group of people that hated Jalen Hurts at quarterback. And he accounted for like 55 touchdowns passing and rushing and people couldn't stand it. I mean, that's, you know, he came after two Heisman trophy winners. That's the level. I mean, we're talking about Spencer Rattler coming into his freshman year, like coming into it saying, well, what do you consider a, a, a good season for the Sooners this year? Well, a big 12 championship and a college football playoff. It doesn't matter that our quarterback's a true freshman. That's what a, a good season for him is. And, Anything less than that is not good enough. Now, they ended up not hitting that, and I think we walked away saying that it was still a successful season. But the, the going into the year, that was everyone's expectations for what it takes. So Remember when he was like second or maybe he even got up to first at one point, like preseason Heisman odds, like Vegas yeah. odds? <laughs> Just yeah. ridiculous. Never played a game. And here he is, he's going into his second year and he is the favorite, you know, and it's, it's probably expected. And some people may say it's a disappointment if he doesn't win it, if not next year, at least in his career. So yeah, it's, it's unreasonably high, but that's the level and everyone keeps living up to it. It's, it's been quite the run, man. It's been amazing. Yeah. The stability at the quarterback position for Oklahoma. I mean, it's been absurd. And it's going to continue to be ridiculous. And it it just makes you appreciate it. And I know that it has a lot to do with what Lincoln Riley does offensively, how he develop quarter how he develops quarterbacks, you know, how he teaches those guys, the the way he calls plays. Like I understand that all goes into it, but you just look at all these programs across the country that are constantly searching for a quarterback. Yeah. We don't know what that feels like anymore. No. It's just like a given. It's like, oh, yeah, they're going to have one of the at least one of the five best guys in the country. They'll be fine. It'll be great. Well, here's the thing. I mean, 
Lincoln's had a great run of quarterbacks. There's no doubt. But think about the run of quarterbacks Oklahoma has had in general since Josh Heupel. It's been amazing. You had Josh Heupel, national champion, runner-up in the Heisman. Uh, We had a couple of interesting years there with Hibble and White figuring it out, but then really the next like confirmed starter was Jason White, and he wins a Heisman Trophy. Um, Then you've got Sam. Then you've got Landry. He's a Big 12 all-time leading passer. Uh, And then, you know, you go – it's like we've had – one or two blips over uh, 20-plus years at quarterback. Everyone else has been, you know, even a guy that's considered uh, a, a quarterback, a guy that did not play quarterback, Wills Trevor Knight, has one of the best games ever against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. I mean, that was Maybe a bad the best quarterback. Game ever. Yeah. Maybe the best game. So we've we've had an embarrassment of riches at quarterback, and it's not like – Oklahoma has continued to just miraculously fall ass backwards into quarterback talent. That's not what happens. There's a bunch of really good high school quarterbacks out there. What happens is they show up uh, on a campus where they're developed. Um, they're, there's really good talent around them. They typically are standing behind amazing offensive lines, and that probably matters more than anything. So, I mean, the whole package has been great over the years, honestly. Okay, let's move on to Call Your Shot. And the Call Your Shot question was inspired by a list I saw from 24-7 Sports where they uh, they were ranking the best 2021 transfers in college football. And they had Eric Gray at number four. They had Wanya Morris at number seven and Key Lawrence at number nine. So the three Tennessee guys that OU got, we're all in the top 10 of this list of the best 2021 transfers. Uh, so we put the question out, which one of these guys will have the biggest impact for Oklahoma? We got a ton of responses, but a couple here. Uh, this comes from Robin Morris at Tulsa Night Calls on Twitter. Okay. Huh. Huh. okay. Interesting. Interesting Twitter handle at Tulsa Night Calls. Uh, he says, Morris only you can move Harrison to the right tackle, and that solves two positions. But for me, I will say Lawrence, he's going to lock down that nickel position. You think he's going to play nickel, or you think he's going to play safety? He seems like a safety. I think he's going to play safety. I think right now, Cradell's probably got the best chance at, at nickel. But um, I think... Here's what's interesting. I think they've got several guys that can play several different positions in the secondary and and be fine. Uh, I, it seems like they want a little bit closer to a corner-type body at nickel, which makes sense and is fine as long as you can be physical and make the plays required in the run game whenever you're asked to and be a good blitzer. But I do think that he's going to be a safety. Um, I would pick Wanya Morris as – the guy that's going to make the biggest impact strictly because he, he can be an every snap guy. If he wins that role, even if Eric gray is amazing, he's not going to be an every snap guy. He's going to be sharing duties with at least one other guy, maybe two other guys and key Lawrence. While I think athletically 
he's probably more gifted than Pat Fields or Turner Yell. I just I don't know how easy it's going to be to break into that because the experience at safety is critical, and we've got that with a couple of uh, multi-year starters back there. I think he'll have his time, but I don't know that it's going to be immediately. And I think Wanya Morris be a uh, a day one starter. Yeah, possibly. Big Al OU twenty eight says Wanya Morris uh, says the left tackle spot was a massive question mark and has been since twenty nineteen. The offensive line playing closer to 2017-2018 levels will be a factor in whether OU can get where they want to go. And then Tim Cook, at half underscore underscore bag. There's some really interesting Twitter handles. In yeah, shout out to that. Tim Cook. I knew the Apple CEO's big OU fan. Yeah, big Tim OU Apple. Fan. Appreciate you listening, Tim. But he says Key Lawrence. He says maybe not from the get-go, but by halfway through the season, he's going to have turned into a Terminator. So I hope uh, hope he's right about that. Not not a ton of love for Eric Gray, who, by the way, I think that kid can go. Some of yeah. the early returns about how he's looking are uh, very, very positive, Ted. So I, I think all three of those guys, but I'm with you. I'm most excited about Wanya Morris because this just in, I think offensive line is the most important thing. I know. Well, shocking. Here, here's the thing is Wanya Morris can be a starter – give you great play all year long but if Eric Gray's a rot- rotational running back that has a couple of flash plays during the season it's going to he's going to be the guy that was the impact player right right and that's just how it works even though you had a workhorse that locked it down for an entire season it's going to be those touchdown flash plays that get all the credit you gotta love being a skill guy they get <laughs> all the attention they're so cool okay Ted uh, let's move on to our interview with Mark Clayton. This was a lot of fun, but first, let's talk money. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more, they do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And also, make sure you go buy some rock and roll tequila. Rock and roll tequila is the ultra premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is fantastic. If you don't want to take our word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. 
It is our pleasure to be joined by a two-time first-team All-American. He's also a BCS national champion and was the 22nd overall pick in the 2005 NFL draft. He is an absolute OU legend. Mark Clayton is in the house. What's going on, man? What up, bro? Not much, man. Just, you know, glad happy to be here. Did you survive the winter weather down there in Texas? Was it a full-out panic? It was crazy, but I I live, like, right next door to DFW Airport, and I think that played a huge role in the fact that my power didn't go power off. on, yeah. Yeah, we didn't lose power, uh, you know, everything else. I mean, we, we fought my car. My car is dinged, you know, but other than that, we're good. We're good, man. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad snow's going, and I, I'll, I'll be grateful if I never see another fucking piece of snow for the rest of my life. <laughs> I, I, I could, I could, I'm not a snow guy at all. That that seems to be the uh, general consensus down in the Dallas area, Mark. Now, man, there's a lot I want to talk to you about, and you know, I was I was an OU fan. You know, I was a 10 years old, 11 years old, right when you started bursting on the scene there in Norman. So I, I remember you so vividly, but I, I did want to start here, and that's uh, your redshirt year at OU yeah. because I think a lot of people forget that you were part of the national championship team, but you were just redshirting. Yeah. So I, I, I'm just curious, what was that yeah. season like for you being a guy that was redshirting during kind of that magical run that y'all had? I was fucking amazing, bro. Like I, I got to practice and party, and then watch the team win, <laughs> and then go to a national championship in Miami, where I didn't have to worry about playing. <laughs> so, as a seventeen, well, I turned eighteen going in into school. So it was, it was, you know, and I grew up. So I was actually born in Oklahoma City. I grew up in uh, the Highlands. We moved to Texas. I'm in the fifth grade. Uh, I'm heavy basketball, played some football, uh, and then got into, you know, junior high, still football, basketball. And in high school, my junior year, it really went straight football for the most part. And um, But I was very sheltered. Like, my mom didn't – she wouldn't, you know, it was like I'm the, the – the, well, she was just very protective of her children, period. Uh, and so I didn't, I didn't do a lot. Like I, you know, I, I was, I didn't get to experience a lot. And so once I got to Oklahoma, um, man, it, it was, it was just, a my, my entire world just went upside down. I couldn't believe the experience that I was having. I couldn't believe what was going on, you know, just in practice, uh, the level of competition, the level of play. And then outside of, you know, the, the facility and the dorms college life, was amazing and so uh i got to really enjoy it uh learn how to work work hard learn you know and then at the same time party party harder probably uh and then we go into the championship in miami which was which was awesome and so i mean it was an incredible uh freshman year experience for me you had an awesome room of wide receivers to kind of as a red shirt just to kind of sit back and watch um that group in 2000 was amazing it really checked all the boxes you had the big dude josh norman you had the big tall skinny andre wolfolk who ended up being a corner you had the burner and curtis fagan 
the do everything guy in Antoine Savage. Talk about like just that room and really that core of wide receivers, you know, because the passing still, we were the air raid offense, but it was still kind of in its infancy. But you look at that skill level, that group of guys, the speed, all the talent that was that was in that room, that had to be awesome. Oh yeah, it was awesome. Um, I mean, I, the, Damian Mackey yeah. was a, a a Mr. kind of dude. He could fit, you know, in a number of different spots. But uh, no, nah, it was. I mean, for me, you know, going, to, I, I was like the little runt in the room. Uh, I'd step foot in on campus. I was about one fifty two, and I hadn't lift weights in high school uh, or ever really. And so, you know, it was all about you know being quick. That's how how I was going to fit in that room was being quick and shifty, which was the, what got me there. But then getting to see all these guys and, and how they worked and the skill that they had at their, at, at their size and, you know, certain speed or not having speed, but they, they understood how to uh, be crafty at the position opened up a whole new world for me, uh, in addition to obviously hitting the weight room. But just the, the level of understanding of the game and the position was awesome. And, you know, they learned that overnight you know down there I mean that you know coach Stoops and Leach had just got there the year before um and so I, I was it was I'm soaking all this in and I'm kind of you know pulling from Wolf pulling from Savage you know pulling from Damian pulling from Josh uh Curtis okay I can see how you know they respect him because he fast they're just gonna back up all right so I can see how you know the value value in being just fast is um you know having you know some bulk you need that because, you know, Josh was able to, you know, body people up and just make tough plays or at the top of his route, he could use his weight to create separation and all these things. And so I'm not even thinking about it, but I'm soaking up all this, you know, information from all these different guys. And, uh, you know, obviously, I, you know, was able to be like, man, I'm gonna do this today and then go do it. I'm gonna try this. I've seen, you know, Wolf do this move. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that in and try to do it. Uh, and so it was, it was very valuable, bro. It was very valuable. So you mentioned that you didn't lift weights pretty much at all in high school. So what was that transition like (laughs) then working with our man, Jerry Schmidt? Because (laughs) I, I assumed that, that, uh, that Uh, was rough at times, just like it was for all of us. Right. But how was that transition for you? Because I assumed that that was, uh, that was interesting. Dude, my body, it didn't know, it didn't know how to respond. <laughs> like, I I quit actually. Uh there, you know, I think uh Coach Ship and Coach Stutz could tell you, I mean, just, I mean, the story when my grandma literally like drove me back to school uh in her little Chevy Cavalier. Uh I went like that first summer, I went back to she lived in Oklahoma City still. I went back to her house and I didn't plan on coming back. Um, I plan. I was getting a job, and I was done. I had ruptured my my pectoral muscle uh, in the weight room, and didn't really even realize it. Uh, and then I had a full body cramp in my first workout, and it was like you know neck down. That was terrible. Um, and it, I was, <laughs> I was, I was like, I'm, it's not for me. I'm out. Uh, my grandma, she found. She, I mean, I guess my mom was asking, you know, Mark been going to practice, so on and so forth. And uh, she was like, well, actually, no, he's been here. And uh, then she, you know, engaged me in a way that was, you know, very nice uh, that a grandma would. 
and re- let me know that I was going to get my ass up and go back to school. And she was driving me. And I was like, <laughs> all right. And so she actually drove me back to school and told Coach what was going on. And then it was like Will P, Antonio Perkins, all over there. Like, bro, you see, like, no, nah, it hurt. Like, we hurt too, bro. Like, it's, it sucked, but dude, you good, nah, you good. Like, we're going to get, we'll get through it, whatever. And uh, and that was, that was that. But dude, yeah, my first experience, I, I couldn't take it. I was done. I was, I was planning on walking off, walking away and being gone, like, deuces. I think we all quit in some form <laughs> or fashion, uh, you know, yeah. at one point or another, whether we all, whether we left campus mentally checked out or whatever i think we've all uh it's more of a spiritual challenge for me (laughs) yes so so there's respect to the brotherhood (laughs) that's right it's it's a rite of passage is is the quit and come back so yeah uh you mentioned you you were just over 150 pounds whenever you showed up um you know by the time you left you had you know, fantastic physique and, and powerful and obviously held on to your quickness and speed. Was there a lot of pressure from the coaching staff as far as like, you got to gain weight, we've got to have you to this certain level? Or was it just understood that, you know, it, it was going to come, it may come slowly and you're going to have to rely, rely on your quickness or were they on you? Uh, it, it was a combination thing. One was Ante Jones putting his hand in my chest jamming me and <laughs> sending me the other way like shit like oh he's strong as fuck <laughs> like I gotta, I, I gotta get stronger and coaches being like yo you gotta get stronger like hey you you eat today what you eat how many times you eat today you drink your shakes and you know and thankfully we were at a university that could support you know us in the nutritional realm and make sure that we were eating and drinking whatever the latest greatest you know shake nutritional shake was uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was a combination of my experience where it was like, nah, if I don't, they going to manhandle me. I can't. And I wasn't, I wasn't very fast. Uh, you know, so I, it was like putting muscle on brought a whole new world to just the physical ability and, and being able to, to compete at that level. So uh, this, this is probably a question kind of for both of you guys, because you get there. And OU wasn't what we know it as now, right? Like, I know you guys win the national championship your freshman year, but could you feel while you were there, like the standard changing for OU football? Because it it went in like 99 from like, okay, decent year, Stoops first year. And then all of a sudden it was like, OU was this powerhouse again. Could could you guys kind of feel that shift? Mm-hmm. Man, right. I go go Teddy. All, all I, I mean, I I think this is good for you because for me, because I didn't redshirt and I had a psychotic coach, so I didn't feel <laughs> anything. It yeah. for me, it was one yeah. second at a time. Can I yep. make it through this drill? Can I make it through this day? That's good. Can I just not make yeah. everyone on this team hate me? So I didn't really like the overall feeling of the team. I had no clue. I was just trying to yep. survive. But I, you know, it yep. was that point. Like I don't know that everyone says we're going to win a championship going into the season. Indeed. And I don't even know that ever anyone on the team thought that it was actually True. possible, but 
you start mm-hmm. winning the games, and it's like, well, we're pretty good. And you win the next mm-hmm. one, it's like, we're really good. And you beat Nebraska mm-hmm. at home, it's like, oh, my God, we might do this mm-hmm. thing. Yep. I agree. I agree. I, I, I was um, insulated in, in my youthfulness and in, in getting through the moments uh, and then enjoying those moments. That was it. Um, I had no recollection of, you know, OU football history in, to- in its totality, actually, at all. I didn't even watch college football until the first college football game I actually watched was uh, uh, that I remember was OU Notre Dame. Coach Stoops first year, they, I don't know at what point in the season, but it was OU versus Notre Dame. And I just remember them throwing the ball a lot. And that to this day is the only football game that sticks. Uh, from my youth and when I think about college football and what I watch. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was, I, I was, I was in the moment and that was that, and that was it. But I, and I think that was also a, a benefit to us and where we were that that was it at the same time. That's all that mattered was getting through that moment or that drill or that practice, that rep, whatever. And on to the next one. You mentioned earlier, you know, the, um, the level of play, like in practice, going out there and competing against some of the best. Like you mentioned, Ante Jones. I still think Ante's maybe the the best all-around athlete to ever come through Oklahoma. Um, some of the guys that you went up against, like, I think that obviously Roy gets a ton of credit and deservedly so, there's no doubt. But mm-hmm. I think a guy that often is overlooked is Andre Woolfolk. Now, you got a unique mm-hmm. perspective. You were in the room with him whenever he was a wide receiver. And was fantastic. It's not like he was struggling to get on the field. He was an unbelievable wide receiver. But he makes the move to corner. What was it like going up against a guy like that? Uh, Eventual first-round pick at corner was long and lean Mm -hmm. and incredibly athletic. Just some of those different matchups that that you had in practice that you remember. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, and that, I think, says a a lot about Wolfolk. Well, I'd say just the athletes that we had – as a whole, because, you know, Coach Stoops came in and switched up, put, hey, I know you play this, but you're going to play that. <laughs> and I know, I know did you Perk play start as a wide receiver, play. too, and move to corner? He did. He did. He was, was a wide so receiver. So was he in that room with corner. you as a freshman then? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Perk was. He was one of those just freaky dudes, you know, 438, 439 guy, 40 inch vertical guy that could, I mean, you know, he, he was going to be all right as of that. Whatever he did, his athleticism was going to keep him in the play or in the scheme. Um, but no, going up against, you know, Wolf, tough, you know, and I mean, obviously it was a first round pick, but a, a lot of going against him, uh, you know, Derek Strait, Ante Jones, they brought a, a, a number of different um, skills and styles to the table, which I think was just invaluable. Um, and, you know, Wolf with his length, bro, like as you get to the NFL, um, you you have to become, uh, you know, more crafty because these guys are, apart from physical ability, you you know, they can put themselves in position to make a play on intellect and I, football IQ alone. Um, and now when you're throwing in physical ability with that and or length with that, um, man, it just, you know, makes that 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 degree of difficulty greater. Um, and so getting to, to go against somebody who probably still to this day has the record in the L drill. <laughs> um, he did something insane, uh, some crazy time. Um, but just that athleticism and length um, made it to where, hey, we get to the league 
I go against another dude in practice named Samari Rowe, who's been in the league for a long time, who's been in Pro Bowl, uh, who's a baller, just six foot, super long arms, long legs. I have an idea of how to attack because, you know, I, I went against Wolf in practice. Uh, then you go against somebody like Derek Strait, who's ridiculously uh, technical, not as much of an athlete. He's not going to bl- burn up the, the track, but his technical skill is the thing that makes it tough for a receiver. If you're not patient, he's going to be patient and he's going to feel you. He's going to feel your right. He's going to feel what's going on and what you're trying to accomplish. And it's like playing chess with that guy. And he knows that he's not a 4-3 guy, but he understands how to take proper angles. And that makes you think another way as a receiver and how to attack somebody who is patient, uh, somebody who, who really does understand just feel at corner. Um, and then you got Ante that you throw in there, and he's pure athlete, like straight up, you know, he's going to bench press 500 and <laughs> squat six run four two nine and 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 whatever you do he's going to be there and it's going to be tough um you got to be patient with him his thing was hey he's all this bulk and strength but his hips aren't like straights and so if if i give him if i'm patient with my moves i can get him off base and that way i'm not having to deal with the fact that he can bench press 500 i get to deal with him and 250 pounds with one arm and I can deal with that now because I got a little strength. And so a lot of that thought process on how to attack different types of DBs was happening at, you know, in our practice, which absolutely prepared me and our guys for going to the NFL and, and facing a variety of, of DB, DBs. Um, and then, you know, you get into games and you, you're playing other guys and the game is fun. You know, we I, I struggle, you know, you struggled in practice. Now we get in the game and these guys, they're, they're not, they don't necessarily have the technique that the, that our guys have. Uh, so for the majority of the games that we would play, it was like playing against scout team. Like it was fun. We're just having fun. Saturdays were fun. Um, and so, dude, it was, it was a blessing and it was awesome to be able to be in practice with that level and caliber of talent, man. And we had some good ones. That's fascinating that you can remember it in that much detail still. There's no way I could do anything <laughs> like that. But, okay, so this this is kind of a question. When you look at college football now, like your path at OU, right? Red shirt, a couple quiet years, and then your, your production just explodes, right? Now it seems like if a guy finds himself in that situation – He's going to transfer. He's going to go somewhere else where he can make an impact quicker. And you you don't see a lot of guys, especially skill position guys, just be able to wait it out and be patient and get better and things that like what made you stick it out? And what do you think that maybe some of these guys that transfer at the first sign of adversity are kind of missing out on not working through it? Dude, uh, that's I think. My for me is the culture. Um, you know, we we the culture was not what it is today at all. Um, you know, we're essentially coming out of you know the nineties and early two thousand where football is just starting to transition into this past happy kind of we're gonna air it out, you know, um a, across multiple uh universities. 
um, because that was not the case back in the day. Uh, so being on, you know, the the beginning uh, or the front end of of the the shift in kind of the the passing game in in college football was was uh, you know I didn't realize it at the time, but um, it was a, it was it was really it was cool it was cool and you know I wasn't thinking um, man I got to sit behind these guys and uh, I got to wait it out and I'm you know I'm trying to go to the NFL so if I don't get time I'm not gonna be able to get film. And I'm, if I don't get film, I'm not going to, you know, have a high draft grade or so on and so on. I wasn't thinking about that at all. Like, it, I was just happy to get to, to college, to be honest. I wasn't even planning on going to college to play football, um, you know, my junior year at all. I was headed to the Air Force. And so for me to actually get into a university was just a blessing. And I was just happy to be there. Um, and so that mentality was a part of the, the I think, the freedom that I had to just be uh, after getting back you know and and actually getting through a summer and then going through the season and having fun and enjoying um I almost got to be a kid you know what I'm saying and, and free and have no worries no re- real responsibility or whatnot um and then getting into my sophomore sophomore year rest or freshman year on the, on the field um it was still it was fun I was getting to you know play at major, major college football like it was always I'm uh, just kind of happy to be here. Um, and so when my junior year rolled around, uh, it was like Will Peoples just told me, he was like, bro, like you don't even, I mean, you, you, you don't even really take this serious. He's like, bro, you could, you could kill this. Like you play around and I mean, you, you do your thing. He said, but bro, you could kill this dude. And um, for whatever reason that resonated with me, I remember, you know, to this day and just, it, that's when I went into, you know, doing a lot of route running with the vest on and, running routes with no shoes and just trying just stuff, catching extra balls, going in, um, having Blake, like, pull out the jugs and nobody's there. Like, Blake, hey, let's go. Blake, let's go. He's like, dude, we just, you know, did the other, like, no, nah, I, need, I need some more. I need some like this. I need you to shoot them low. No, actually shoot them over, over, my, over this ear. Like, and, and that happened, like, leak going into my junior year. Um, and then, Jay White, Jay Doug, like coming back and being healthy, we had kind of a vibe from from scout team for the most part, um, and so that all that kind of together just clicked, and it sent you know it just it set it off. Um, but you know today I look at guys and it, I mean I see you know in the NFL I, I didn't get business until. Um, really like my fourth, fifth year, fourth, fifth year, where I understood more of the business of football. Um, and I, you know, I look back and I see the business of football in college. Um, I see it now even in high school. I help out a, a high school here in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, and it, it sadly, like it, there's a lot of business in high school. Um, and now looking at guys going in and, and they're, you know, for them, this is a, a, a stop. This is a stop. This is just for now until I get to where I'm trying to get to, which is the NFL. And so, you know, them and their family consider what's the the best road for me to make it to the NFL. And I think there's value in adversity. Absolutely. I think it, it builds a resolve. It builds a, a toughness about you. It builds an appreciation for accomplishment. It builds a, 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 a bit of grace um for you know somebody else's situation uh it, it builds so much uh in regards to your character 
going through and just fighting through, grinding through. And, and uh, you know, and I tell people like a lot of my experience was not just about me, although I did a lot of work, but if, you know, coach chose to go with somebody else, that's out of my control. If I was to get injured at a certain time, so be it. There's a, uh, you know, if I didn't fit a certain scheme, whoop, sorry. Like there's, there's things that happen outside of you that affect, you know, your, you playing and your production, your receiver in a scheme where they run the ball 70% of the time. Chances are, there's not going to be a lot of balls going around. And when they do throw it, it's probably not going to be super efficient at the same time. because That's not what they focus on. Uh, or you're running back in a passing scheme and you can't catch that. Like there's, there's so many layers to um, uh, a situation and circumstance being a certain way that allow you to be whoever it is that you want to be or produce at whatever level you feel you can produce at um, that. I don't know. And so I'd say like when, when guys are in that position of, should I leave? Should I stay? Should I grind it out? Should I not? I think you're going to, you know, get stories where guys leave and they become successful and guys, other guys leave and they don't, it costs them. Some guys stay and they be successful and some guys stay and it costs them. Uh, I think you're going to hit, you know, both uh, sides of the of the ship in that regard. Um, you know, over time, we'll see, you know, how it plays out. I mean, you know, we can look at the ratio for the guys who left to go on and try to find greener grass and whether or not it worked out for them uh, and vice versa, the guys who stayed and said, you know what, I'm going to stick it out and tough it out and, you know, see if, if it worked out for them. I don't, but to each situation is different. And I always like in life teach his own, you know, I, I think for you, whatever it is that you feel that's best for you and your family, go for it, go for it. Think, think on it, talk through it, pray about it and go. Um, and, and let it be that. Cause I have a 13 year old son now. And, you know, he, he wants to get into sport. Like, he didn't, he hadn't played football yet. He hadn't played basketball yet. He's done a little soccer. But as he gets into it, you know, my my vision about sports now, just looking at it and all the money around it, I know it's business. Like, he's going to see it. He's going to love what he does. But I see it as business. And so as we, you know, as he grows and if he turns into something or whatever, those conversations are going to be had, Um you know, and he's going to be in the loop and understand what's going on. And it, it will be, you know, a business decision that, that it comes down to. I think your situation is, is fascinating in a sense that I don't know at the time it wasn't that, that, uh, you know, out of the ordinary, but today it would be unheard of for a, uh, a wide receiver to come out a, of high school ball and is be as raw as you were as far as strength mm-hmm. and conditioning and, and all of that stuff. So yes. do you look back and say that, man, if I would have started earlier, that maybe college, like things would have been different or – do you look back and say that I'm thankful that my career came at the pace that it did? Because yeah. I know we kind of, it feels like we always kind of get enamored that, you know, if I could have gone back and started earlier and, and maybe my level would have been raised, but 
I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Do you ever have those yeah. thoughts or, or do you feel like it, it played out the proper way for you? Man, I feel like it, it played out perfectly. <laughs> like I period. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I think it played out perfectly. I think uh, a lot of, you know, when it comes to a lot of, I think people that have deep, well, whether it's regret or what could have, should have, it's, Comes from expectations, uh, you know, that were there or even even put on them. Um, but I just, I'm like, man, you know, I, for me, it was everything was unexpected, like from the beginning to the end, unexpected. I didn't expect to go to college. I didn't expect to, you know, be at o- University of Oklahoma, bro. Like, <laughs> it's University of Oklahoma of universities in the world. This is one of the top universities, period, uh, especially as it pertains to football. Um, I didn't expect to, you know, be an All-American. I didn't expect to be drafted. I didn't expect, you know, any of this. I was um, enjoying where I was at, and that was it. And as it played out, it was just, a, it was beautiful. Um, and it, it made all those moments, you know, beautiful and the relationships awesome um, that, you know, I didn't, know that I would have, you know, here we are talking um, and knowing, you know, we were 18, 17, 18, 19, whatever, you know, going in to school together and here we are grown, grown men and are going in our forties, um, you know, talking about the, the good old days. Like the, we had an amazing time uh, at that time. And, you know, I, I, I feel like everything worked out perfectly uh, like it was supposed to. Uh, and, you know, I think, the appreciation for it, uh, you know, as this believe, I'm just like, man, I know God had his hand on that in every way, shape, form, or fashion. And, you know, had me experience that time and those relationships that are ridiculously valuable to the, to me to this day. Mark, you had such a big season in 03, right? And Jason White wins the Heisman Trophy. What, what was the feeling like for you watching your quarterback win the Heisman? I, I assume you had to take like a ton of pride in that yeah. being like, Hey, I did that shit. Like that was me. He was throwing the <laughs> yeah. ball too. Like, is, is, is that how it was? Cause I, I can only imagine that that was a pretty damn good feeling. Hell yeah. To this day, my quit, like my quarterback won the Heisman. How many people can say they, they play with a Heisman winning quarterback, bro? Like to this day, my quarterback won the Heisman. Like that was awesome. And, you know, I, to be able to go out and produce, be, you know, that much of the production is awesome. Like I can't, there's not, you know, I don't know. There's not a lot, lot to say, you know, about it. I'll just, you know, look back and I'm like, man, we, we really, you know, we worked our ass off, got on the field, we performed, we executed and, and man, look, you know, look at all that we accomplished. I know we talked about this. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I, was, I, I would love to say, look at those three rings oh. that we have. That's, that's all. But, you know. <laughs> uh, brutal. Are we going to yeah. talk about that? I mean, you lost back-to-back national those. championship games. Do we even need to talk oh, about that? that? That had to God. hurt. That had to hurt so bad. Which one hurt worse is what I'm thinking. Like, I think USC I think one had to hurt so worse, bad. right? I thought it was so bad. Like the other day, it was so cold. It wasn't really that cold. <laughs> I was outside. <laughs> I'll tell you, man. For me, the the games that burned me the most, like uh, the 
the national championship to LSU, I mean, that's painful. We should have beat them. We should have been national champion, whatever. But like the, the Kansas State loss that year is more painful to me. The Oklahoma State loss in yeah. 01 mm-hmm. and 02, those two losses are more painful than for them. Yeah. I, those stick oh, with me more than anything. For whatever reason, the LSU game is almost an afterthought. It's those other mm. ones that, that just burn in my memory. Uh, yeah. It's brutal. I still think about it all the time. Now, I talk yep. about football every day, but, I so, mean, it's constantly there and uh, still haunting me to this day. <laughs> yeah. Okie State does. That one does. That was, that was tough. Sean Woods in the corner. Mm. I remember Josh it like Fields. it was yesterday. Jeez, I can see it. Yeah. Ah, anyways, okay. well, this is taking a depressing <laughs> turn, guys. Thanks. All right. All right. Yeah. I did. Uh, where's, uh, my, where's my whiskey? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I did want to ask you about your NFL career because oh. you go to the Ravens uh, as a first rounder, uh, several years there. You kind of deal with some injuries, end up in St. Louis. When you think about your NFL career, how do you kind of view it? Because you did, you played a lot of years, but it, it seems like you you did never really get to reach your full potential because of some of those yeah. injuries. Yeah, well, I think well, I didn't. So I look at NFL like I played. I was in the NFL for seven years. I didn't have a ton of production. I feel like um, St. Louis for me was about as fun as it got. <laughs> Playing in Baltimore was amazing because of we was I was on a really good team. I was in a really good organization, class act organization. Steve Bisotti, top down, ridiculously well run. Ozzy, cream of the crop. Uh, now Eric DaCosta is taking over. They're not going to drop off. They're going to constantly be in the running year in year out because of the organization structure. Um, and so I was, and then you know in the locker room you have Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer. One of my favorite players to watch was Ed Reed. That was my favorite player. Like, and then his lock was just right there. And then uh, Eric McNair comes in uh, my second year, which was, you know, rest in peace. But God, like, that was amazing. Um, he was the first, that, I mean, that was the first time where, obviously, you know, Eric McNair had been in the league. He, you know, had won, almost won the Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, he was, he was set, like he had this resolve, like he's, he's accomplished and all that. And it, you know, that season was my, my best statistical season in Baltimore, but there was a, you know, between me and him was like a, a, uh, you know, go uh, just run a three on this. All right, but we do it. Um, my first, so like my first year in Baltimore, uh, Brian Billick offense, um, not complicated at all. And I mean, even in, in Norman, I think, that that was a, a part of why I got on the field soon sooner I think rather than later because of what I knew. Um, I, I I have a my memory I can picture I got photographs like it's photographic so I can see a playbook and I can I can lock it in like no time. Uh, so I I knew playbooks like in in Baltimore I got our playbook down I was like man it's easy um, and as you know time would go on my first year I was like man we should change like we should do this we could do this da, da, da. why don't we check out of stuff but we did we kept it very vanilla with McNair it changed up because he would see stuff and then he would make a change he was like oh okay they're doing this uh, hey hey do that or expect this ball here and like that changed everything to be honest uh and so 
at that point, that was my first kind of year where I had, you know, some solid stats. I almost had a thousand yards. So I was in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, like we mesh, we vibe. Second year together is going to be amazing. Aaron McNair gets hurt uh, and then goes on to retire. And, you know, that was that. And so uh, go through a season where it was kind of rotating quarterbacks. And then uh, my third year, we go on and we draft uh, Joe Flacco, young Flacco. Um, and you have to, you know, bring him in big arm. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Now we really figure it out. Um, nope. <laughs> Same system. Uh, and so, it, you know, going through, and it, for me, it was like, man, how do I maximize the opportunities that I get? And that was it. Um, and at the same time, coming from an Oklahoma where we threw the ball all the time, uh, that would start to wear on me. Like, I, I wanted to be in a passing offense. I feel like, man, we got a, the guy that can do it. Like, let's do it. Um, but that didn't happen. So fast forward, I get traded to St. Louis. Sam Bradford gets, you know, drafted number one overall. Um, I get in and, um, you know, Thursday I go. Um, Steve Spagnuolo's there and it's like, you know, you ready? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You think you have the playbook down? Absolutely. Got the playbook on Tuesday. Got the practice on Wednesday. Had the game plan down. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, you're good. Thursday practice, Sunday comes up. Um, Shermer says we're throwing it, and he meant it. We're, we threw the ball. We, I think Sam had, like, 55 pass attempts. I had, like, 10 catches. And he was like, this is what we're doing. Like, <laughs> we're not stopping. We're not slowing down. And we won, which was awesome. And I think St. Louis at that time was coming off. I want to say they won two or three games. Um, and so we went on in those five games that I was, you know, fortunate enough to play in. Um, we were two and two and going into the third game versus Detroit had a, you know, felt good about, you know, going in there and getting a win. That's when I ruptured my patella tendon. But in those four games for me, I was like, it felt like college all over again because we're throwing the fucking ball. Like we were, and, and and we were scheming, you know, teams up. And this like it became uh fun again in the sense, like as a receiver, because we're now we're throwing the ball around the field. I'm getting to, you know, run and run all these routes and change up and be, you know, you know, do my thing. Um, and then I rushed my hotel tender. Uh and that was that. But I just when I look back and I look at my career, I'm like, man, it was an amazing experience because I got to see what it what it was like to play with a really good organization from top down and win games. Um, you know, playing wild card, the division and AFC championship game. Uh so close to making it to the Super Bowl. That would have been really cool. And then uh go on to play in the offense that was it was a NFL passing offense. Um and it was it was fun. I mean, and I, you know, to me, and I know like having having played in that for a number of years who knows what the numbers would have been but to have that experience for me was sufficient and I had a great time and I'm, I'm you know forever grateful for it and so that's essentially how I look at it and when I you know talk to my kids now um you know at the high school and as they're they go through whatever the situation is or what you know coach not you know calling this or they get injured or you know a number of things just being able to help them understand and how to appreciate the moments that they're getting, the opportunities that they are getting, um, I think is, is vital, you know, for not just my kid, but just us in life, uh, period. But um, no, man, I think, uh, you know, a lot, it was a great experience. And, you know, I, 
obviously never forget it and continue to talk about it when I get the opportunity to. But uh, yeah, man, it's a good time. Um, this is this is the last one for I could I could go all night with you. I love listening to your your stories and your experiences. But and this is more of a comment for me. But when I watch college football now and the rules and the way they allow things to happen and the RPO game, yeah. there's two guys that I wish I could see in Lincoln Riley's offenses. It's mm. Joe Washington and it's Mark Clayton. I, I, man, I just I oh. wish the bubble oh. screens and the tunnel screens and oh. some of the stuff that they do, it, it just it was it oh. was made for Mark Clayton. And <laughs> do you Joe ever Washington. watch college football and yeah. even NFL now and say, man, I was playing in the wrong era? Oh, dude, I could, I would kill it. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. I, I just, there's time where I feel like, like right now, I could go out and be like, you know, I, you, cause I still get on the basketball court, like to this day, um, which I plan to do that until I can't anymore. But, uh, oh my gosh, bro, I look at college football and the NFL and just what they're doing. I'm just like, oh my 22 year old, 23 year old MC with the good knees. Yeah. Trouble. Be fun, <laughs> Trouble. Trouble. Yeah. OU, yeah, OU's had some good receivers, especially over the last couple of years. Absolutely. Who who have been a couple of your favorite, right? I mean, Hollywood and CD, obviously, first yep. rounders. Uh, got a couple kids now. Uh, the Mims kid had a yeah. huge freshman year. And go yep. far back to, you know, Sterling Shepard, those type of guys. Like, who have right. been a couple of your favorite guys? Man, um, Ryan. Him coming, I think Ryan was Ryan was tough. You know, he grew up. He, you know, he, he thought he was a thug and all that stuff. Like, but I could see, you know, he was a he was a tough player. He made tough plays, and he finished plays. He got a lot of ball. Like he killed. I mean, I, mean, I don't know how many records. You know, he broke probably all of them. But um, <laughs> I yep, all of them. Yeah, NCAA records, like yep. crazy man. Uh, enjoyed him. Uh, I'd say. Um, Kenny Stills, quietly, just did work, bro. Like, he did work. Uh, we should have thrown him in, the ball he more. He had his swag. We could have thrown him the ball a lot more. Yeah. Had his swag. And, I mean, I look at him to this day. And he just he's he's what he was in college. Like, steady, constant, consistent, and productive. <laughs> like, he, he's um, – he, you know, I, I, yeah, when I look at our guy, my thing is like, man, I hope, you know, our guys can come through and when we, we've had a guy that they could have a – a follow it up with a career similar to Kenny's. Um, if I had a dollar for every time I saw uh, Kenny down the sideline like this, uh, wide open, and we didn't get him on the deep ball, oh, it was so frustrating. He's a, yeah. I, I think he's one of the best deep ball receivers Oklahoma's ever had, and there's been some amazing ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think him, Hollywood is, I mean, what, yeah, he's, so his side, he's a really good deep ball guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, that's one of the things I said I, I struggle with what, what's going on in Baltimore now with, with Hollywood. And he might get one attempt every two games, like really, you know, down the field. That that bothers me. Um, but anyways, uh, him and then um, I, li- I, I like Hollywood. I, I love CD. I love how t- – like he's, he's just – 
he's a dog. There's a you know a play he made just this last season down the seam, catches the ball, takes a lick, gets up, flexes, nothing. Lick, I mean the play he made versus UT, uh, it, it like set up set the tone for you know looking at him now like as a rookie in the NFL making plays, taking hits, getting up and doing it again like clockwork. Yeah, that's the other none, thing. Like, you played in the uh, the non-targeting era. I, where, that too, yeah. That's <laughs> where everyone was seeking like, you out. Yeah, and they could. And they yeah. could. And they could take them shots. Yes, man. I, and so I, I enjoyed watching him do that. And now Mims, uh, he stands out to me tremendously. At his, at where he is right now, I don't I, – I, he, he seems to be, um, I think, one of the more complete – receivers at a young age um, that I've seen personally um, and tough. Uh, I think the play in, I want to say it was big to a championship game. Um, I was a couple guys called him on it. It was, I think it was a punt return. He got, he was, he was uh, kind of heading towards the, our sideline, right sideline. And he saw a guy out of the corner of his eye coming. And so he tries to put on the brakes, and but that guy he had a good angle and he caught him. But there was another guy who caught him. Like he got called, he got called good. Dude just springs up, lays the ball, toss the rip, run back, nothing. Love it. Mm-hmm. Next play, and I, I, I mean, I the only thing I did, you know, I, I he's young. Um, I'm on you know Twitter and everything, and I just I send him a message. I, I was just like, dude. Your 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 game, is, like you're get you're good. Like you don't, I mean, you're going to continue to hone that and so on and so forth. Um, the thing that is going to continue to keep you where you're at and beyond is, I love that you get up and you go to the next play. Simple. Every time you get up and you go to the next play, regardless of what that last play was, ninety nine yard touch, it don't matter. Drop, don't matter. Get up, go to the next play. So another one that matters, and to I can see that like and with him, I'm like, man, that's that's awesome. And I can only imagine what you know his household is and was growing up. I feel like it was uh, solid because all that stuff plays out. It comes through on the field, and uh, man, I just uh, I'm a fan, and I think he's going to be you know definitely you know obviously he can put up numbers uh, in his even limited role, which is crazy, but. uh yeah, I'm excited for his future. Well, Mark, this was fun, man. Really appreciate the time. Uh, we yeah, love catching up with kind of some of the legends that played at OU. And I know you played with Teddy, so it is what it is. But it's, <laughs> it's really glad you could join yeah, us, man. man. Appreciate it. No doubt, bro. Thanks for having me on. This is great. This is great. Nice picks in the background, man. Thank you. I work very hard tight. for us. <laughs> nice. nice. All right, yeah, man. man. Appreciate Thank it. You guys. All right. Man, that guy could play. I, I still remember it. Like, I should have asked him if you can practice run after the catch because, like, that's what I remember so vividly about Mark Clayton is him just making people look stupid after he had the ball in his hand. The quickness that he had, it was just – Unbelievable. It's hard for me to explain, but he had this move whenever he would he would get off the line with his feet and he would take like a fake step with one foot 
and it would look like he's running fast to come off the line, but he doesn't move anywhere. It was the weirdest looking thing. It looked like he was hovering in the air. It was so cool, and he would do it in practice, and everyone would just be like, hey, do that again because you're not really sure what's happening, but an amazing story. Uh, to a guy that came into college Hold on. As I wrong. have to interrupt you. Lou Dort for the win. What? Thunder win it. Lou three Dort ball? from three for the Whoa. win. Let's go. Are you that? down to Dort? Hey. The Dorcher chamber. Sorry. That maybe that's going to get him going again. Going through a little bit of rough patch from three. Uh, that's going to bring the confidence back, I'm sure. That's awesome. Okay. They're reviewing it. So uh, it took, I will say this. I was watching it live. It's good. There's no way it's not good. If it's not. Oh yeah, we're good. We're good here. Thunder win. Nice. They win it. Let's go. Excellent. Okay. Um, sorry, Ted. What were you saying? No, I just talking about Mark and his story. You would never see that today with the access to coaching and strength and conditioning that a kid would come in and be that raw it's just it's so incredibly rare and the fact that he went from uh, a player that couldn't bench 135 and tore his peck trying to do it to an all-american first round wide receiver in an era when wide receivers weren't very highly drafted very often so it's just amazing i will say this about the Lou Dort game winner that is the most wide open 3 any human being has ever had to win an NBA basketball game. I mean, there's no one within 10 feet of him. Like oh <laughs> when I tell God. you wide open, Teddy, you are not going to believe how open this man was. That's okay. a coach killer on the other side. That's going to get someone fired. Yeah. Popovich <laughs> will be all right. If I had to guess, but uh, let's move on to our segments. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Tell them we sent you. And also, if you are a sports fan, you need to call the great people at Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite teams from home this year, which is why you need to get a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires and the cable boxes so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone. And the Wi-Fi has been flawless. For the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area, Call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. Okay, just a couple things for the National College Football Roundup, Ted. Let's start here. Notre Dame doing Notre Dame things. They announced that they will not let EA Sports use its name, its logo, any of its branding for the college football game that they are resurrecting until their student-athletes are allowed 
to be compensated for being in the game. Uh, Notre Dame was the first. I certainly don't think that they will be the last to come out with some sort of statement like this. And I think Notre Dame is doing something smart here. I think that they are using this as branding uh, and as a recruiting tool. Uh, And I think it's smart. By doing this, they are basically telling recruits across the country, hey, uh, we want you to be able to earn some money. Look at us standing up for you guys. We want you guys to get money. And I, I think that's a smart position to take. Now, it is Notre Dame, and they certainly are very proud of their brand. There's no doubt about that. But I think Notre Dame's leadership knows where this whole thing is headed, right? They know the rule is going to change long before the game is released. So, Ted, I think it's smart on their part to get some positive publicity for taking this stance that they know really has no risk at all. Right. I mean, it's it's a public relations move by Notre Dame. And quite frankly, I'm shocked that everyone hasn't done this, um, at least the top schools, because really they're not they're not doing anything that isn't going to happen anyways. They're just saying that it's their choice right now. But as far as the the game, as you mentioned, it is concerned, it's years down the road and all of this stuff is going to have to be ironed out before they're able to come out with it. If they're going to do anything with the school's actual licensing stuff on there. So yeah, they just came out and said, the the guaranteed part before anyone else did so i think it's incredibly smart by them because everyone else now if they did the same thing would look like they're just following notre dame's lead smart beat them to the punch those people are i know that a lot of people feel a certain way about notre dame but they do have some smart people around there. I'll is give the them that. Notre Dame hate around here? Is that because of the forty-seven game win streak loss? That is that is what I've gathered. And over the, the Heisman. Years. Uh, who was it that won the Heisman instead of one of our guys after like a four loss year or something like that? Yeah, I think a lot of the animosity uh, stems from them ending the forty-seven game win streak and. For the more modern OU fan, including myself, that uh, that loss in 2012 didn't sit yeah. well with a lot of people, including the people on the team. Believe it or not, so seriously, they were upset I know. about that. Yeah, you guys we, got redemption. We did get redemption against a much worse Notre yeah, Dame. It would have been better to beat uh, the would, 2012 team. It would it would have been better to beat the actual good team. But going and playing that game there, that was awesome. That yeah. was awesome. I well, the 2012 game at home was awesome too. That's uh, the best atmosphere. Not great. to you know get off track too much, but that was the best atmosphere that I had at any home game when I was playing there. I mean, it wasn't even close. Like the buildup for that game was so fun, and it was going so well until it wasn't, and then yeah. yikes! Well, that Goldson kid played the game of his life. He was money that night. Gosh, so, shouldn't have lost crazy. that game. I know it's hard to see the scoreboard and go back and look at that and go, what are you talking about? If he, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, one other thing for the National College Football Roundup, Ted, and that is Tyler Shuck. Remember, this is the guy's 
name is pronounced Shuck, but it's spelled S-H-O-U-G-H. I don't know how that's possible. I think I'm going to bring it up every time we talk about this kid, and we're going to talk about him a whole lot, apparently, because Tyler Shuck is transferring from Oregon to Texas Tech as a grad transfer, and he has three years of eligibility left. This is a guy that sat behind Justin Herbert for a couple years, but started every game for Oregon last year, had an up-and-down year, and actually ended up splitting time in the Pac-12 championship game and in their fiestable loss against Iowa State. But I'll say this about this kid. He looks the part, right? 6'5", 220-something pounds, uh, has a pretty big arm. There, There's several throws a game that he makes where you go, okay, yeah, I see it. Uh, I see why this kid was so highly recruited out of the state of Arizona. But this feels big for Matt Wells, right, Ted? Like, did I feel like they needed this after Alan Bowman is transferring. Now he still hasn't announced where he's transferring, which I still think is kind of weird that we've gotten to this point in the season. We don't know where Alan Bowman is headed, or at least I haven't heard anything. Have you heard anything about Alan Bowman? I've heard nothing. I've heard nothing. It seems like the transfer portal has been really slow for a bunch of guys that I thought we would hear, you know, the 25 signing limit makes it really difficult on teams to, to find a spot if they, if they had a really big recruiting class. So I don't know. Um, this is huge for Wells. Here's the thing. I feel like a guy like Shuck could come to Oklahoma and be the best quarterback in the Big 12 because everything's in place. You'll have a backfield full of really good athletes. You'll have – a stable of wide receivers, maybe as good as anyone in the country. You'll have a group of tight ends and H-backs that is second to none. And you'll have a big, physical, extremely consistent offensive line to throw behind. So all you do is sit back and deliver the football to the playmakers, which I'm making it sound easier than it is, but that's kind of what those guys are dealing with. You can be uh, an unbelievable player go to Texas tech and maybe put up some nice numbers, but not win any games. Patrick Mahomes didn't win Jack squat at Texas tech. Okay. So I, I feel like this is a good player that they've got a good solid quarterback down there, but in the grand scheme of things, what's it going to mean for the win column for Texas tech? I don't know. And until they get consistent offensive line play and a better defense, I just don't know that it's going to change where they are in the pecking order of the Big 12. Yeah, and uh, you know who their new offense coordinator is, right? Oh, yeah. Your favorite. Oh, yeah. Sonny Cumbie. Here we go. Let's keep it simple. Run the same thing over and over and over. Don't but look I do... for Tech to take any shots down the field, Gabe. <laughs> You are not a Sonny Cumbie fan, and it cracks me up every time. But I still – the way that he used Jalen Rager at TCU should be against the law. I still still can't believe it. But I will say this. It's important. you Having good quarterback play in the Big 12 gives you a chance, right? It, It gives you a chance. And I do think that you look at Tyler Shuck there now in Lubbock, like that's an upgrade 
over Henry Columbia. I, I know Columbia had a couple games there where he was exciting to watch, but this this kid's definitely an upgrade in my mind. So I will say this. I'm a Matt Wells fan. I love the guy. We interview him all the time on our serious show. Plank knows him well. So I've, you know, I've talked to him from Plank's relationship with him. I'm rooting for that guy. I, I hope that Shuck gets there and just slings it around for Texas Tech. Now I hope they lose to OU every time. I hope that, but I really wanted to work for Matt Wells there in Lubbock. I, I think he's great and he's pouring everything into trying to make that program successful. And he just hasn't seen uh, many results so far, Ted. You know, and it does sound like that the Texas Tech alum and donor base and fan base, you know, because they said we're going to get back to playing Red Raider football. And it's like, you mean back to losing? I mean, what is it, what exactly does that mean? And it sounds like to me it means we don't care if we lose a bunch. We want exciting football. If we're going to lose, we're going to lose in a shootout. So I feel like maybe that's what they're going to try to transition to. Yeah, we'll see. Chuck can throw it around. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, Riverwind. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience. There are temperature screenings at all entrances and masks are required for all patrons and employees because your safety is Riverwind's number one priority. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And for February's Kitchen Cash-In, all wildcard members that earn 500 points on their wildcard playing every machines will win an IKO Sapphire Diamond Roasting Pan. Those things are awesome. If you want to help find your... If you need help finding your way, I messed up Riverwind's little awesome saying. What am I doing? It's awful. Come on. (laughs) If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the one. And contact our friends at Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. Their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers to get on the path to losing weight. Call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. And Teddy, don't forget to send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything to make that possible. Bishop McGinnis students were welcomed back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Okay, Ted, who is your winner of the week? Well, this may seem strange, but I'm taking Genesis 
the car manufacturer as my oh, wow. winner of the week. Okay, so number one on Sunday they had a thrilling uh, finish to their their tournament where they were the 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 name sponsor. Uh, it was a great showdown between Max Homa and um, oh, Tony uh, Finau. Uh, Finau there in a couple of extra holes. That was great. But then Tiger Woods wrecks the brand new GV80, which I don't even know if you can buy it yet. I mean, it's their new SUV that they're releasing. And, you know, it's not a good story, obviously, whenever maybe the most uh, well-known athlete in the entire world wrecks your car and crushes a leg and breaks the other. And who knows if he ever plays golf again. But they're saying that the safety features in the new GV80, which has 10 airbags that all deployed like they were supposed to, if it weren't for those features, the greatest golfer of my lifetime would be dead, Gabe. The Genesis GV80 saved Tiger Woods' life. That's a pretty good selling point, right? Definitely is a great selling point if you're Genesis. (laughs) I don't know. Now, once again, I am not, uh, I'm not in the car business, right? Uh, we leave that to our uh, friends at Metro Ford of OKC. But is, is one of your cars being wrecked? Can that really be? I, I would it's, assume it can. It's, it's Tiger Woods. It's Tiger freaking Woods. I mean, it's yeah. going to be wrecked. I mean, their cars are going to be wrecked. Every vehicle is going to be wrecked. But to prove on a scale this large that you're, vehicles one of the safest on the road like i guess a bunch of their vehicles are i think that turns out to be a really good selling point maybe this is just all a big elaborate scheme to uh to sell genesis gv80s now that's a conspiracy theory right there but (laughs) i will on on a serious note when you saw that and i know how big of a tiger fan you are and you know i grew up watching tiger i'm a huge tiger fan i think he's fascinating but when you saw the picture of that car, did you think he was going to die? Because there was a moment when, because the the details weren't really coming out and they were just showing the wreck. And I was like, oh my God, like Tiger Woods is going to die. Like, And then I started to think about just the impact he had, not only on golf, but just sport sports in general. And I was like, this can't happen. I won't stand for this. Like we can't have Tiger Woods die. Like he was just winning the masters. Like he can't be dead. So I was very, very relieved when no, it came out that although the leg injuries are serious and also I wonder how it affected his back, right? He just had back surgery, so who knows how that's feeling also. But I was I was just glad he was alive. No, I, I agree. And I guess I never really had those those thoughts because the the way the news kind of trickled out on it was weird. Tiger Woods injured in a, in a car accident. Um, so you didn't hear anything else for a while. Uh, he's had leg injuries. He's going to have surgery. Okay. Uh, that seems bad, but at least he's going to be all right. And then it's like, you hear about the leg injuries. It's like compound fractures and they had to cut the muscle open to, cause of the s- swelling and, 
then the L.A. County Sheriff comes on and says that, you know, he's lucky to be alive. He's seen wrecks, you know, like that that ended up uh, with fatality. So, yeah, I mean, just just happy that at least it looks like he's going to be okay. I don't know any of the the circumstances of the crash. I don't know that anyone does at this point. Um, just happy he's all right. Yeah, I'm with you. Because I have this, I, I always thought, like, you see, you know, Jack Nicholas doing, like, hitting the ceremonial, ceremonial yeah. tee shots and that type of stuff. I always thought that we'd see, you know, I'd, we'd be watching with our kids someday, and, like, Tiger Woods would be doing that stuff. Like, I, not to get too sentimental, but when I saw this, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, that could that could ruin that for me. Now, that's what I thought selfishly. But, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm glad he's alive because it seems like he's found some peace in his personal life so um i know this is kind of a bump in the road but yikes at least he's breathing okay ted who did your loser of the week well i've got to go with less miles at kansas as the reports start to trickle out that he had a previous issue at lsu several years ago and the reason I, I say Les Miles is the loser because I think one of the worst things that you can do, one of the dumbest things that you can do is give up free money. And that's what Les Miles is doing. If And it sounds like this wasn't revealed to Kansas during uh, – they didn't know about this when they hired him, which tells me you know, there's a pretty interesting background or pretty – uh, in-depth back, background check that usually goes on whenever you're hiring someone of this stature and paying them a salary this high. And if it's found that he either lied or misrepresented any of these type of things in his past, then Kansas will be able, in my opinion, to get out of this contract, uh, you know, fire him with cause or whatever you want to call it. It gives him an opportunity to to separate without having to pay all of that guaranteed money on the back end of the contract, which you know a university will when given that opportunity. So uh, Les Miles, not only is he a loser because of the allegations, and I don't even know it's allegations. It seems like it may be already settled in a, in a court situation. Um, everyone's going to know about that. His reputation's now going to be tarnished, and he's giving up free money. Yeah, not a not a good week for Les. And if anyone is confused, um, they're doing some digging at LSU. And on the deep dive, they found that Les uh, settled a sexual harassment claim. What was it, an intern, right, back in? I think so. 2013 or Either so. I think an intern I'm, or some uh, a young woman that worked for the university at some capacity. Yeah. So uh, I would not be shocked if Jeff Long uses that to get rid of Les Miles at Kansas because let's be real, it's it's not going well. It's not going well at all for the Jayhawks. And I can hear people out there saying, well, how can you use a, a settled issue that probably has NDAs attached to it to fire a guy but no harm, no foul on the coach that was essentially caught uh, in the scheme to pay players cash to come to play basketball at Kansas. 
it is an interesting thought. So I hear you people out there thinking the same thing as me. Something to think about. Okay, my winner of the week. Thought about going with Big Ben, right? Because it sounds like the Steelers and him are going to be able to work something out when it comes to his contract situation, and, and he'll be back. So I'm not sure how excited some Steeler fans are about that. But, hey, I, I still think it's cool to see a guy play his whole career in one place. So I'm I'm kind of all for it. But my winner of the week, uh, I'm going to go with the NCAA. And this is why, Ted. Maybe I'll go with it. I'll say the NCAA, maybe. Because there's a senator in the state of Kansas, Jerry Moran, who introduced a bill Wednesday that would allow college athletes to sign endorsement deals. And remember, the NCA wants a federal bill, wants a federal law in place that applies to every school as opposed to the rules being different in every state. So Senator Moran's bill has a whole lot in there, but here are some of the highlights. College athletes could hire agents and sign endorsement deals, but conferences, the NCA, and schools could limit what they can endorse. Uh, this part is really interesting. The bill would make athletic departments cover some of athletes' medical expenses for athletic injuries for two or up to four years after they're done playing, depending on how much the athletic department brings in. Now, Athletes could transfer once without penalty under this bill. Uh, they could return to school if they go undrafted with this bill, Ted. And the bill would also create a corporation that could sanction and fine athletes that break the rules. A little watchdog, if you will. But uh, a lot going on there. But I'm sure the NCAA saw this and was like, uh-huh. Yeah, let's pass this thing. Let's roll. This is perfect. I don't think it's going to happen, but there's a chance. There's a chance. What state did you say this was in? Kansas, the great oh. state of Kansas. Huh. Couldn't be a Kansas senator trying to get this passed to get uh, all the misdealings there grandfathered in. Could it be? No? Hmm. Just a thought. Just a thought, Kansas basketball. I did kind of like the healthcare that. thing, though. No, I like this. I mean, here's the thing. Whether you're for it or against it, and I can understand both sides. I understand uh, the thought of, you know, this making college athletics uh, – not the not feel the same way that they always have. I can understand that. And, you know, there's there's a part of kind of earning your way a little bit. I, I mean, I can understand that side, but the other the other side of it is that it's huge business and it doesn't happen without the players. And ultimately this is where we're going. So you can either try and, you know, aim it in the direction you want with some legislation like this, or it's going to continue to be the Wild West. And but we're getting here eventually. So I'm all for it, you know, put something out there. It's going to be hard to find something that everyone can agree on. But I think if you really sit back and, and take stock of the situation and look what's trending nationally, you have to know that this is, this is where college athletics is going to be. If not in a year or two years, definitely in five or 10. Yeah. I think they may run into uh, some resistance with the part that says, conferences or schools or the NCAA can limit 
what they can endorse. You know, they they cited like code of conduct stuff that that type of thing. I think that that will be uh, that will be something that some lawmakers will go. No, they should be able to endorse whatever they want, and we will go round and round and round. And the Florida law starts uh, July first. So then, then it's going to get real weird, Ted. So, so uh, yeah. you're telling me it's not going to be long before we have an OU player endorsing the Oklahoma uh, dispensary? Is that what's going to happen? I I don't know if the school could block <laughs> them from endorsing that. I, I don't know. We'll see how the rules end up. Oklahoma. <laughs> okay, my loser of the week. I thought about going with Trey Young because he, he's put up huge numbers, right? 27 points per game, nine and a half assists per game, but didn't make the all-star team. Uh, and it was surprising to a lot of people, but the Hawks are really struggling uh, from a record perspective. And let's just call it how we see it. There are some people that aren't big fans of the way that Trey has drawn some fouls this season. And I think you kind of saw that reflected in the player voting and even some of the fan voting uh, maybe that's it. I don't know, but uh, I saw this, Ted. Trey Young is the first player in 30 years to average more than 25 points and more than nine assists to not make the all-star team. So it's crazy. There's something. But uh, I crazy. also thought about going with Mike Boyden in Oklahoma State basketball because they got that big win against Tech on Monday night, but their remaining schedule is brutal. They have two bedlams. They've got Baylor and West Virginia all before the big 12 tourney, but the loser of the week, it's gotta be OU basketball, right? A really, really bad loss in Manhattan. And yes, I know the ref missed the foul on Austin Reeves three at the end. He got fouled. He got hit on the arm. I agree, but it never should have come to that. Uh, just a really tough night shooting the ball for the Sooners. And I thought they took a bunch of bad shots. I thought they settled for a lot of perimeter shots. They, they could have been more aggressive, and they just weren't. I don't know if they were scared of the Bradford Sasquatch there in the lane for Kansas State <laughs> or what. But I get it. The guy's huge. I get it. But you look at it, and they have now lost nine straight in Manhattan. And I know Mike McGurl went insane there at the end of the game well, yeah, the, he, he got on a heater uh, shout out to him doing that on a senior night that was uh, that was impressive but Kansas State while they're getting better they they still are not a good team I'm I'm a little unsure why Lon Kruger sat Austin Reeves for so long in the first half he only had two fouls it's not like he had three I don't know there were some confusing things but just a bad loss Ted a bad bad loss it's a bad loss. Now, I don't know that for me it changes any of my my thoughts for the trajectory of this basketball team. It does drive home some of the the thoughts that I have on them and, and why they're limited. They are they're a jump shot shooting team, okay? And a lot of times that's fine. Whenever you're making buckets, it's fine. But whenever it goes cold and you're not hitting shots. You have to have the ability to get to the rim, attack, and either get layups or get to the foul line. And no one on this team can free shoot, get to the foul line except for Austin Reeves. Nobody. We cannot get to the foul line at all. It is a, an Achilles heel of ours. And when we don't shoot well, 
We're just we're not that good of a basketball team. We can stay in some in some games, but because we're pretty good defensively, teams that have a big guy uh, are 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 pretty tough matchup for us. If we can't make them pay on the other end, whenever we we play smaller than them, you know we are just we've been terrible. We it's been was it nine ten straight losses up there in Manhattan. I mean Brady Manick nine in a row, nine in a row. Brady Manick is he's good, he's a really good he's a four year starter for this team. He hasn't hit a three in Manhattan since his freshman year. Over the last three games, he's three of sixteen from the floor and zero of ten from three in Manhattan. There's something going on up there with that place. I don't know what it is, but we play the worst basketball imaginable whenever we go up there. The last three games, we've scored 57, 53, and 53. We scored 69 the year before in Trey Young's year, but we lost that game by 20 points. It was a no contest. I just... It, it, is it the Kruger jersey hanging in the rafters? Does it put bad juju on it? Like I don't, I, I don't understand. I, I don't. We've gone in there and lost with bad teams. We've gone in there and lost with great teams. This team was number seven in the country. I think they were number one in the country and went up there and lost. So it's strange, but we do not play good there. Um, here's the thing: if we're hitting threes, we're tough to beat. If we're not, we are totally, totally beatable. Yeah, by anyone, even a a two and thirteen Kansas State team at the time. Yeah, Austin Reeves can only do so much. Got to Bedlam Saturday in Norman, uh, so the Sooners. I think we get right. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. I think they'll split them. I bet. I bet OU wins in Norman and Oklahoma State wins in Stillwater. Yeah, that that kind of feels how both of these teams are playing right right now. And, And on that note, Ted. Episode 89 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more